Hello friends, just a reminder that this year the talk is in partnership with Stella's Place. We are raising funds in hopes of hitting our target mark of at the $5,500, at which point Dakota and I will be doing a little polar bear dip in early March, so you're not going to want to miss that. So any and all donations that help us get to that mark will be thoroughly appreciated. And as always, if you want to support our brand while supporting Stella's Place, hit up the website at the55.ca Go to the store. You can grab dry fit t-shirts, masks, and hats while supplies last. We are starting to run a little low. And of course, proceeds go to Stella's Place. So a lot of great ways to support them. We have a wicked guest on the talk for today. So I'll stop blabbering. Enjoy the show. How's it going, guys? It's Nate Bahar, wide receiver for the Ottawa Red Blacks and founder of the Firework app. You are listening to At The 55. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Today we have another installment of The Talk coming your way. Our conversation interview show talking about mental health in and around sports and specifically the game of football. Because, you know, that's what we do here at At The 55. Joining us today, we have one of the finest athletes who has come out of London in recent years. He had a stellar career with the Carlton Ravens where he produced probably a top five, top ten highlight in the 2010s OUA football uh, action and has so far been putting together a nice career in the CFL with the Elks and the Red Blacks. We have the Golden Ghost with the most, Nate Bahar. Nate, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Zach. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, I'm excited to chat. Um, Golden Ghost. That's a that's a good uh, that's a good anecdote. I like that. Well, I had to throw that one out, Nate, because we, we've never met, and it's been impossible to be involved with this sport uh, for the time that I have been both playing my time at Guelph and now kind of covering it. But in specific, I roomed at Guelph with one Mr. Jordan Boudelier. Oh <laughs> who, yes. <laughs> Who uh, on your year coming out? I mean, I know you were top ranked in all of Canada, so everyone was knowing about you. But from like the second you were on anyone's radar, he was like, "Okay, yeah, this guy is gonna be this. This is the next guy." So uh, I had to shout out the Golden Ghosts in London Central there. Jordan um, Boulier, that's an all timer right there. That's one of the <laughs> one of the fastest guys that didn't quite get the recognition he I think he deserved. Um, I love that guy. I would absolutely love to do a whole other episode on just like, uh, you know, the athletes who didn't quite get to where they should have been. And Jordan would be one of my number one guys to talk about on that. But that is for a different series. Today, we are doing the talk. Um, Now, I think from the jump, you know, we do so much coverage at the university level. And we've talked with players who've gone on to have uh, to play in the CFL, uh, even talking last year with Tavon Smith, who spent some time in the NFL. But predominantly where we cover at the university level, we, we've talked to guys about that transition going from, say, high school to university and sort of everything involved in that. And maybe you can touch on that as well in answering this, but I guess from the jump, you know, you've been in, in the CFL now for almost about a half decade. What were some of the biggest changes you were noticing as far as the things you had to deal with? I mean, the physical aspect, sure, that's one thing, but just as far as this being a whole other world, this being now football, something you do just as recreation after school and high school, maybe some summer ball to all of a sudden a varsity athlete to now you are a pro, a professional. What thoughts do you have as far as where all that uh, has taken you so far? Absolutely. I think that, I think I'll break that up into two. Um, one of them is the way that you're viewed by, you know, the staff and people around you um, in, in the, you know, in the facility. I think, 
you know, high school is one thing. University, I think, were you know the most formative years of of all of our careers. Um, you know, you're seen yes as as a cog in the machine, but there's so much more of a human element to it. You know, they need you to succeed in the classroom. They need you to be a relatively upstanding you know citizen because you're on campus with tens of thousands of, of other people. And if you're a uh, I don't know what, what PG rating we're on, but if you're a dickhead, apologies, apologies for that. <laughs> hey, Nate, on our end, you say what you want as long as it's not going to get you in trouble. No okay, one... <laughs> perfect. <laughs> you know, being a dickhead in college uh, has can have a lot of negative impacts and there's so many opportunities. So, you know, in university, they spend so much time grooming you as a man as well. Um, and then you get to you get to the pros and it's just the meat market, you know, um, you're literally only seen for what you're able to do for them on that given day. Um, what you've done in the past means nothing. What you could potentially turn into also pretty much usually means nothing. Um, if you're not able to, to drive value and be this person right now, then people don't even necessarily make eye contact with you or, you know, uh, really, really give a dang. And that's a massive adjustment, um, you know, especially coming from a program like Carlton for myself, where it was like such a family, you know, getting our butts kicked for, for a year all together and kind of growing up as, as a team, even with the coaching stuff, that was a huge shift. Um, and then the other side of it is just the always on, um, I think necessity that, that happens in the pros and it's for a good reason, you know, the competition needs to be there in practice and all that sort of stuff, but there's not the, there's not the, um, What's the best way to put it? There's no slack really given of at least the start of your career until you're, you know, if you're Brad Snopley, okay, you get a little bit of slack in practice, but you don't get the chance to say, ah, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm just not really feeling it today, coach. You know, we're doing it, but you don't ever get to go through the motions. And I think that's, that's big. And it's kind of, it can kind of be exhausting, you know, that every single day you wake up at 6 30 in the morning and have to go in for your day one practice, day two, your day two, your day three, et cetera. And you always do have to sort of be at that top, top level. Then you take into account the fact that the season's, twice as long two and a half times as long and 18 plus 18 games and three buys really it's three times as long when you think about it with playoffs um and it just you end the season drained you know physically and mentally i think those are sort of the two biggest biggest shifts you mentioned so much uh so much good stuff in there i i think what i first want to kind of tag on to what you were mentioning um is you kind of I think the term you use there is kind of the meat market of you know mm-hmm. your drafting players, uh, the the free agency things like that, and with the CFL and in particular, I feel like a, a skill position. This is perhaps even uh, more of a, a difficulty than say for the lineman, but the the conversation over being a national player. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, I think traditionally you see more of that's a position or that's a a category of player that teams will fill in on their on their lines and things like that. How much does that component weigh in as far as it's such a foreign concept as far as the way we process? You know, I'm sure all of us follow some other pro sports. You know, whether it's NFL, NBA, NHL, all that, and the the different machinations, conversations that take place in that. None of those sports have this added element or the specific added element of just how your role on a team can be affected and your just status as being a wanted player based mm-hmm. on the fact that you're Canadian or otherwise. How is that, if at all, I don't want to be sort of leading you in any direction, but does, does that, has that factored in at all in just your day-to-day, you know, going from Edmonton to Ottawa, how, conversations with agents, things like that? Mm-hmm. How much of a role does that play in your, in your life, at least sort of off the field? For sure. I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I would never quite believed it. Um, coach or uh, D line and strength, strength conditioning coach. My first two years at Carlton, Darrell Adams 
Uh, he's now with the Waterloo Warriors. Um, great guy. He, he spent time with the Jets and the NFL, spent time with the Ticats and CFL. And I remember him telling me earlier, like, no, Nate, like, you don't need to be the best receiver in the CFL. You need to be the best Canadian receiver. And I was, first I like gave him a dirty look, but like, don't you, don't you watch your mouth. Um, and then you start to realize that, no, no, like there's, there is truth to it. And it's not even necessarily because it should be that way, but it's just is that way. And I get it, you know, the just, sheer volume of human beings that come and play university or sorry to play football at a high level in the u.s versus here it's over 10x we know that so obviously there's going to be more top end talent in the u.s and then you factor in you know who you're playing against from a young age all the talent yada yada it compounds and naturally there's a larger selection of top end talent in american markets than there are in Canadian markets no if ends or buts about that it's just simple mathematics um but it really is it's a, it's a frustrating thing to like be put into a box and oftentimes with several coaches some coaches i've played for played with whatever you want to say you don't get really get a chance to break it you know um i've seen canadian guys who run michael Lucas. i played with this year he's at university of calgary he's a dino alum this dude probably runs a legit right he does run a legit four three um and I don't think there's a single coach on earth in the CFL that can look past the fact that he has like a Canadian national stamp and think of him as a viable deep threat. Cause it just wouldn't happen in their mind. But if you all of a sudden put that dude and made him from Montana, he could be just as white and just as, just as meek looking and, and unassuming. But if he was from Montana instead of Calgary and ran that same four, three, they'd be, they'd be, you know, script in place to, to try to use that speed. And it's, it happens everywhere. And, you know, I'm probably, one of the more traditional Canadian receiver types at this point in my career where, you know, I'm use my brain and smarts and find the zones and sit in them and all that good stuff. I'm not calling myself slow, but you know, I'm, I'm not a Klukas four, three. So I, I don't know if I'm necessarily as victim to it as others are, but it is frustrating. It's tough. And uh, it's something you never have to deal with any other level. Well, last thing I, I want to sort of add on to that or ask you about, and you mentioned his name in, in your answer there, but how impactful has it been getting to just work under and and with a guy like Brad Sinopoli as far as being able to not just adjust to that component specifically, the national at a skill position, but just sort of learning the mm. environment of the game and sort of everything that goes into that? Yeah, actually, so I was fortunate enough to train with Brad in the off seasons because we I joke and call him an honorary Raven, by the way. You can print that and stamp it because um, he chose to, he chose to come to Carleton in the off seasons usually and run, and train with us because JPS and ROC was his coach uh, with the GGs. Um, so I've been fortunate enough to work with him for a long time. And it wasn't until I actually got into the CFL and played sort of next to him that I realized why he did things the way he did. Like, I remember always we do routes on air and stuff like that. And be like, doesn't look like he's running or like, oh, like he just seems like it is smooth for sure. But, you know, as a young guy who's everything, go, 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 be as fast as you can, be explosive, all this different stuff. Um, you don't fully wrap your head around like, the why of it and then getting to see it in action and play next to it and you know chalk talk with him and break down some film and stuff it really had a massive impact um, on my game and you know i'm starting to really come into my own thing because of that and the abilities to just be patient be patient be patient and be where you need to be at the right time I still can't get over you giving him the honorary Raven <laughs> moniker. I, I absolutely love that. I'm sure that won't sit well with everyone who may listen to this, but I love it. Um, I, I guess the next thing I want to kind of move into is is as far as, you know, we talk about some of the differences pro versus university. And as much as, uh, you know, at the 55, we try and 
improve and create more of a media landscape and just place for conversations and there's other great platforms as well trying to do that at the university level I can say with all honestly it pales in comparison to that landscape of media and of fandom that occurs at the pro level and tying that into this conversation of just what it's like as an athlete having to deal with outside noise and and well, I mean, I guess where I'm going with this is it's nothing I've ever had to deal with remotely as an athlete, and it's uh, something that I can only imagine must be daunting. What kind of, what experience is that like, not just adjusting as, as a young man getting drafted, but even, you know, four or five years into your career, having to see articles from, you know, the Ottawa Sun talking about this, that, and the third relating to you, or people on chat boards talking about, oh, you know, Nate should do this or Nate should do that. What's that experience been like? Um, to be honest, it doesn't really um, doesn't really bother me, at least not anymore. I mean, it's funny you mentioned the OUA stuff. I remember coming out of high school and like, whatever the chat was, just, what was it called? Oh, all Canada uh, Gridiron or something like Canada that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember like, you know, even back then, people saying that I should never have gotten recruited or been highly recruited because I was a cancer and an arrogant this, that, and the third. And I was like 18 years old. I was like, I mean, one, you're probably right. Two, I don't care. Shut up. <laughs> like, it's like, so that, that stuff's always sort of been there at least a little bit. Um, and especially when you have, you know, Canadians aren't usually... Um, very crass and you know loud out there um opinionated vocal um and i know that i am all those things and that rubs people the wrong way but i genuinely could not give one shit less sorry um no, and no. so you know i've been it's not necessarily new but it, it does it's frustrating i think the hardest part was you know during my contract dispute in my rookie year and that is its own can of worms to open but you know having people straight up wish that i tore my acl the first time i stepped in the field was like a lot that was definitely a lot i it's not that it hurt my feelings it was more of just like a man people suck <laughs> like yeah. you know like that it, it doesn't impact me i mean it definitely probably played a little bit of into the fact of like why i didn't even consider staying at edmonton um you know having their big fan sections that like call themselves their number one fans be like we hope you never play we hope they ruin your career we hope you blow your knee out like that stuff is just like this doesn't seem like a place I want to be for a long time, but you know, it's as a, as a whole, it makes me laugh with anything like people that get that upset or people that think that their opinions are going to impact me when, you know, they pay to watch the game and I get paid to play it. It's like, Hey, yell at the wind, buddy. I, you don't, you don't impact my life in any way. Um, that's, I think how you kind of got to look at it. No doubt. And it's it's in, it's incredible to hear how you kind of mentioned sort of looking at it now, how you can sort of look back and laugh. And I, you know, I, I laugh just thinking of ACG. Uh, <laughs> you know, you'd think that if someone can survive the toxic landscape that was all Canadian gridiron, one would be, you know, bulletproof to the naysayers elsewhere in the world. But, you know, if we can go back to that 2017 year or I suppose it would have yeah in 2017 mm -hmm. with the holdout some people may not be as familiar with the story and you're mentioning as well having people talk about you know wishing you you to blow out your knee stepping on the on the field was that like is that the chatter you were getting coming from you know I say this with sort of the finger air quotes supposed Edmonton fans of them actually oh yeah you know being the oh yeah all over Twitter 
adding me everything. It wasn't even just, uh, wasn't even just like, you know, I wasn't sitting in my, in silence and dark, like looking at my name on Twitter. It's like people literally going to the, the steps of hitting the at symbol, typing in Nate Bahar 11 and then tweeting at me where it's going to ping my phone. That stuff was hilarious. Like it was very, very shocking, but became funnier and funnier as I went on. So I'm just like, you people have real problems. I can't imagine what it's like to be your significant other. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm curious just because, you know, every year there's there's a new crop of young men entering the folds who no doubt may want to take a, a route you did because in, in the grand scheme of things, obviously, you know, even particular, more particularly with the CFL than perhaps other uh, professional athlete or uh, professional leagues mm-hmm. where, you know, get your money because it's not always a guaranteed thing in this league. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I wonder just thinking of the the generations of young players to come who, who could be in situations elsewhere i mean or in, in some situations similarly who who may not have the the tools to deal with it i'm just wondering speaking a bit from your your experience what are some of the i know you say you kind of just laugh it off but were there any like coping mechanisms like because it's easy to imagine that mm-hmm. this type of reaction one might get from the people who are you know supposedly cheering them on week after week um could could lead into things like say depression or just anxiety or any holy host of things that could affect a player um so i guess just if if you had advice to not necessarily it could be you going in the time machine talking to a younger nate bahar or talking to just some other young man taking his first steps into a cfo locker room wanting to you know Take, fall after your lead or maybe it's on some other issue what are some of the words of advice or just coping mechanisms i guess i'll say that, mm-hmm. that you use to get through that or you would suggest i think it's still about perspective um i think it's the only thing i can lend i think that's the most one of the most important things across any career any life problem it's just to have perspective um you know people yelling at you because you didn't do the thing on the football field that they wanted you to do while they were their seventh beer deep in the stands um in perspective you know when you actually take a step back it couldn't mean less it's the literal grain of sand on the endless beach of time like it's it's nothing and then you also think about the reason that they get to yell at you is because you're fortunate enough to play a game that they pay you to wear spandex and run around with your friends like okay if you know if the trade-off for you know playing football as a career and being able to you know make enough to live a decent life is some drunken people yelling at me online in, you know, whose AVI is an egg. Like it's not that bad. It's, it really, it's really, isn't all that bad. So, you know, you can, you can let it get to you or you can put it in perspective and understand like, yeah, I'm that's a, a medium sized negative, but there are all these bold underlined italicized pluses in the other column that make this all worth it. And these, these people are also coming at me and it has nothing to do with that. actually has nothing to do with me. You know, it could be anybody in my position that dropped that ball and they'd be yelling the same way. It's nothing to do with me as a person. So. Totally. And that's, that's a great perspective to be able to have to, to try and give to someone else. I I'm, I'm curious, you know, I can remember going to my first year at Guelph and there being rules that in hindsight and you at the time felt so arbitrary that, mm-hmm. you know, as far as the veterans might try to place on rookies, as far as, well, you can only wear X amount of, you know, Griffin labeled swag when you're walking around <laughs> campus or, or things like that. You know, just the random stuff that you kind of, whether we consider it hazing or some sort of modern version of it. So I'm just kind of curious and maybe the landscape of the pros is so much different than college that people are just over that sort of hierarchy dynamic. But 
you, you talk about the response you got from the the public and a little in the media, but was there any, you know, oh, who's this young rookie, you know, thinking he's some hot stuff? Like, w- was there anything in the locker room itself in response to the holdout or, or anything you had to deal with on that front? Um, funny. I have a funny story for that. Uh, first day I showed up um, in Edmonton. I obviously go meet Brock, sign everything, yada, yada. Um, I got there sort of just as practice was finishing, watching in practice. Um, then Jason, so uh, Jason Moss, our head coach at the time, uh, was like, hey, come up and see me in about like half an hour, 45 minutes. So I'm like just saying hi to some of the guys I know, some of the rookies and dudes I've played, played with or against, et cetera. Um, and I go up to his office and he's like, hey, Nate, like so – He's like, look, like this is a learning opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, doing some coach speak. Love Jason, by the way. That's that's not me being, uh, me being, um, you know, rude. He's like, you know what? This is a learning experience. I've never had this situation either. He's like, I've heard a lot of guys talk about different things. You know, guys saying like, let's tie him to the goalposts like for like an hour. Like, let's do this. That. He's like, so I have no idea what you're gonna get. He's like, all I can suggest is you just take it. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I was like, coach, I'm good. Like, I'm. I'm not worried. Like if they want to, you know, throw my stuff in the ice tub, that's all good. Like it's, it doesn't matter. Like they're allowed to do whatever they want. They're, you know, they have their thoughts. This is the full team. I'm literally just one person. And I kind of realized then it was like, Oh, everybody here thinks I'm like Chad Johnson at his worst or Torello. And I was like, okay, like this is, I get it. Like they all think that I'm just this, like not understanding the details of the holdout and not understanding that I had literally no part in it. Um, so he told me all this stuff and then, you know, that day I did a little workout, got in the tubs and like Armando's too well, you know, obviously CFL all-star, all pro, probably will be a hall of famer. You know, he's, I'm in the tubs with him and he's like, man, you're out of your mind. I'm like, yeah. He's like, kind of like, he kind of looked around and was like, but I kind of respect it. It's like, <laughs> okay. He's like, I think most people do, but like, I think people are going to like be mean. Cause they're kind of like, you know, like someone's got to say something to this kid. And then, it was kind of that feeling for like a few days. I think everyone kind of realized like, oh, he's not an actual like arrogant monster. He's just kind of a dude. And like, and I would, you know, I carried, carried people's equipment out and like just try to do regular rookie things. Then it kind of just all blew over, which is really funny. But I remember getting there the first day and then the first hour Moss telling me that I'm going to get tied to a goalpost. I was like, oh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, but it all settled itself out because again, I think once people realized it wasn't me and obviously they, a lot of guys asked, and I was like, I had no part in this. Like this was all my agent Brock. Like this is this, I couldn't have been less removed or more removed from this. Um, I just trusted the guy I trusted. Um, it kind of all just settled itself down. <laughs> well, you know, and, and not that you were say that the, the literal first through the door, but in so many circumstances, first through the door gets the most bloodiest and, and kind of that response you're getting from some of your, uh, some of your, your teammates you were mentioning at the time saying that, mm-hmm. well, you know what, it probably was the right move. So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, obviously sometimes past I haven't followed whether there is any examples since in a similar vein but no doubt mm-hmm. you said an example that you know people that players uh you know you, and as you mentioned sir was a bit out of your power but you do have the autonomy to be able to you know try and get what you deserve mm-hmm. um now on sort of tying in with that notion of you know s- sort of supporting teammates supporting one another and, and um i guess being you know brothers on and off the field um I kind of want to move a little bit towards some of your off the field um, projects that you have on the go, uh, mm-hmm. particularly the, the firework app, a, a, which is just 
I didn't know until recently, and it's super fascinating. No one, no doubt, knows it better than yourself. I'm curious if you could just give our listeners off the jump just a little breakdown of what it is, where the inspiration, and where the inspiration for the Firework app came. Absolutely. So Firework app, um, c- company started, um, ideation started December 2019. But what it is, it's a athlete influencer marketing platform. Um, so in simpler terms, Athletes can come to the app, download it on their phone. Um, brands on the other side of that app, um, they can chat and execute marketing campaigns. So a brand can say, hey, we want some football players to talk about our new socks. They can post it on the app. A bunch of athletes can say, hey, I want to talk about them. And then they just talk about the fees. They handle the whole thing all in one place. So it actually started in December of 2019. Um, I will say selfishly, and I always am hesitant to say a positive and all the negativity, but um, you know, the one area or room that COVID did give with the cancellation of the season was room for this to sort of take a little bit more shape. And December, 2019, I had, you know, a bunch of people all reach out to me different. It was literally just happenstance, different uh, colleagues and friends who were starting businesses and they all wanted the same thing. They all wanted to work with some of my athlete friends, some of the guys I know from the CFL, some of the guys that have gone in the NFL, et cetera. I started to, you know, I heard it three times in the first minute. I was like, okay, wait a second. I know that me as an athlete wants brand deals. Nobody, nothing makes you feel cooler. puts a little money in your pocket, all that good stuff. Um, and, you know, getting paid to wear a pair of socks. So I started asking athletes like, Hey, are you getting brand deals? And most guys are like, no, you know, some free swag here and there and yada, yada. And then realized there was just a opportunity to build something that brings everybody together and makes it easier for brands and for athletes. And it's been a blast doing it. Well, that's awesome to hear. And it's great to see that it's kind of been, uh, you know, growing in that respect. And honestly, we should probably try and get our name onto that platform as well. Maybe you <laughs> can make some connections as well. But, um, you know, I'm kind of curious, did any of the inspiration or in the, you know, about two years now you've been running uh, Firework, is any of this sort of envisioning for life after football? We did a whole series a year and a bit ago on people talking about how they've kind of adjusted to life after. And, and you're obviously still very much in your career, but whether it's a university athlete, a pro athlete, high school athlete, really any level of of all sports, but specifically this game, since it does exist in such a, you know, the time we get to play this game is so short, even mm-hmm. at the highest level. And it's not even the type of game where, you know, with this being wintertime, people go out to the rink, play some shinny, and you can still kind of rekindle your dreams of, of being a hockey star. Football ends so quickly, and it yes. doesn't really... So was any of this, in as far as far as thinking a bit ahead of whenever your career does at some point come to an end? Absolutely. I mean, it's uh, sort of the second business. started, like... like done some work with the, with camps and stuff like that. And, you know, this honestly just started and it felt way too real, way too close, way too achievable um, to let sit on the back burner. Um, so I almost started it out of what felt like a necessity. I, get, I felt like I would have hated myself if I let the moment pass. Um, and then when the season was canceled in 2020, it was like, okay, let's, who knows when this football's coming back. You know, we were both on Twitter for that moment of everybody talking about the CFL dying a gloriously murderous death um so it was keep going keep going and then when it came back it was like well i mean we're too far now i've taken some people's money to run this thing or you know i got we have clients this we're going um and so it absolutely is you know the the life after and um feel really happy that i have something like that especially something that keeps me close to sports it's really cool getting to you know get guys i play with paid for doing some fun stuff you know we did a shoot with a brand a local brand for a boxing gym and had four or five guys, you know, in the gym boxing with sick photography and they got money out of it. Like that's an awesomely fulfilling thing. So 
um, pretty excited. No, that's unreal to know that it's something that will not only be able to be lucrative for yourself, but also get fellow athletes and friends paid as well. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as to those uh, CFL doomsday conversations, it seems like every <laughs> 10 years we have one of those conversations. So you know what? That's just at this point, we should be used to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thing last thing I just want to throw out your way, kind of in connection with firework. It, it's hard, at least for me, to not to try and make some kind of a connection with looking south of the border with things like name, image, and likeness. And obviously that pertains more to the uni- the college ranks as far as being able to get um, university college athletes, partnerships, get them paid while still in school. Has that evolution south of the border influenced at all how Firework has worked or any thoughts that you've had as far as looking into the future of the app? Or is it kind of something, just a whole other sphere that's not really all that related? No, it's absolutely related. It's funny enough. It's like, uh, it's a, it's, it's a common question and it, there's, um, I have my optimistic view of it and my pessimistic view of it. Um, optimistically massive opportunity. Um, it's going to be so much fun. Pessimistically and almost comedically once the name and the NIL stuff started to really come up, um, in the States, there was like, there's been like 15 or 16 or something like that platforms pop up all trying to capitalize because you know how americans are they see some green they see some green their eyeballs turn and screw mcduck and they, they all try to rush to the to the fountain of cash um so that's my pessimistic view is it's actually muddied the waters a little bit a little bit but they're all super unsophisticated tech i'm not really actually that worried about it we've, we've been building something you know rock solid that's that's going to stand the test of time so we're actually working you know already with some with some college level athletes and stuff like that there's great opportunities obviously we want to you know as, as any business should when you're home first, you know, we want to make sure that Canada and we have a partnership with athletes can, which is a governing body for all, you know, national team members across the country. So all of our Olympians, Paralympians, et cetera, we want to make sure that Canada's taken care of our Canadian athletes taken care of. And then there's, you know, so much opportunity. That's how tech works, right? You don't have to move somewhere to get somebody to use the app, which is great. So, you know, we got a campaign in the works right now with the national team member, who's also an Ohio state um, alum and in, in, in hockey and stuff. And there's some fun stuff. It'll, it'll just continue to go and grow and, it does make the opportunity sort of endless there. Um, it's not our first entry point, but it's without a doubt on the radar. Well, I, I guess just then very last thing, as much as you're, you, you can share or want to share, what is the next um, step that you're looking sort of to hit with, with Firework as far as, is it just more reach, more connections, mm-hmm. or is there anything in particular you have in the works that, you're willing, that you want to share right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're just, you know, Creating a double-sided marketplace, which is in itself what it is, you know, it takes a lot of time. It's the zero start problem, meaning you have nobody on either side. You have to bring them on equally, you know, in tandem. So that's number one right now. It's just user acquisition. Um, athletes know about us. Now it's getting enough brands to make it worth their while. Then from there, you know, there's a, a funding round in our very near future um, that'll be pretty exciting. Um, not the most excited to go back on the zoom world tour, but it has to be done. Um, and then from there, it's just continuing to grow. You know, it's just, it's going to be a marathon, not a sprint. Um, everybody wants to be, everybody wants to be, you know, PayPal or LinkedIn or something that just explodes. And it's just, it doesn't need to be that way. Obviously that's great. Um, but I don't, we're not dealing with a, a target market of a billion people. We're dealing with, you know, athletes and brands. And so it's just a slow burn, making sure that your tech is going to stand the test of time and, and that you're approaching things with a different lens and that's what we're doing. So just excited. And where can people find uh, info on, on firework? www.thefirework.app. That's dot app, like the firework app. So www.thefirework.app. And it's the same on Instagram as well. It's just the firework app. Beautiful. Well, Nate, 
thank you so much for sharing a bit of your experiences as a college and pro athlete and how you've dealt with the ups and downs. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this can take that into their own lives. And it's great to hear what you're doing with Firework, which no doubt will further just make the stresses of being an athlete at, at so many levels that much easier to manage for for football players and, and athletes of all kinds. So, Nate, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, all the best, man. Uh, thank you so much for having me, guys.